Hey there, Resonate Church family. How are you doing this morning? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Want to give a special welcome to our friends on our online campus as well as Hayward. Uh, let's give Hayward a big round of applause for joining us. It is good to be with you. And if I haven't yet had the opportunity to meet you, uh, hello, my name is Edward and my wife and I are just blessed to be a part of this wonderful church family. I want to thank you. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for welcoming us in. And I just want to say, if you're a guest here today, checking out Resonate for the first time, uh, I'm only six weeks into this job, and here's what I can tell you. This place is special. This place is filled with people who are broken, but who are being put back together one day at a time by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to invite you to lean in on all that God has for you here at Resonate. And once again, thank you for making me and my wife feel at home in this place. It means a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Uh, I get to continue on in our teaching series, Free Indeed. We have been in a teaching series going over various aspects of our lives that we could find ourselves uh, in chains, bondage, and here are some of the areas we've talked about over the last several weeks. Free from stubborn sin, discontentment, worry, loneliness, free from unhealthy marriages. Last week, Pastor Ryan preached a powerful word on getting free from religion and that's another thing that's special about Resonate Church. We don't want ha to have anything to do with religion. We want to live lives that are not living for the love of God, but from the love, from the approval of God. How many of you are thankful that we're freed from religion through the gospel? And so I've been assigned the topic, free from wasted time. Free from wasted time. And I say I've been assigned the topic because I would have never picked this. I would have never picked this to talk about. Why? Because I am a professional procrastinator. Come on, somebody. <laughs> wow, you guys are a little too excited about your own procrastination there. Any other procrastinators in the house in Hayward? Any other procrastinators? See, the real procrastinators, you're still thinking about it like, ah, I'm not sure. Um, and so not only would I have not picked this topic because I have wasted a lot of time in my life, but I also would not have picked this topic because I have a lot of guilt and shame and embarrassment about the seasons of life that I've wasted. I think about when I was a teenager growing up at home with mom and dad, brothers and sisters, and we have these old uh, home videos of family parties, and they're asking, where's Edward at? Where's Edward at? And I was just being a jerk, playing my video games. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Nintendo Entertainment System. Come on, somebody. 80s babies. Let's go. Sega Genesis. Duck Hunt. Pew, 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 pew. That was, that was me. Addicted to my video games and not wanting to have anything to do with my family. It's embarrassing. I've got brothers and sisters who are ten, um, over 10 years younger than I am. So I had a limited time with them in the home. And I just think back, man, I wasn't present. I wasn't a good older brother. I wasted some time with my siblings. Then I would go on to college and 
uh, become a student at UC Berkeley and I look around and I see some Asian parents and you're not going to be happy about what I say next, but after two and a half years, I, I dropped out of UC Berkeley, I, I quit, and as I think about my years in college, two and a half years, gosh, I, I wasted my time. Then I would meet my now wife, Rebecca, and, and definitely at about age 20, we both knew we were God's best for one another. But because of my stubbornness and selfishness and wanting to date around a little bit, wasted two years, two more years before we got married. And I just have so much regret about some of the pain that took place in those two years. And then... Uh, I would go on to plant a church in Oakland, California, thought that that was my life's call, start a church, be there 30 years, church, one place, one pastor, and a couple years ago, God called me away to the city of Las Vegas, and I thought that was my next significant ministry season, Las Vegas, Nevada, the church, and uh, would not even make it two years there before I resigned. And would spend a whole season, come on, you guys, maybe some of you have been there in your vocational life. Like, what was that season at that job for? Two years, wasted time. And then in between jobs, I had about nine months, nine months before I found this job here at Resonate. And I had all this free time. And I said, okay, during this free time, in between jobs, I'm going to read the Bible more than I've ever read the Bible. Just like some of you have said, this summer, right? Come on, somebody, come on. And then it's like, oh, no, summer's almost over, and it hasn't happened. Oh, I'm going to get healthier than I've ever been before. I got nine months to just focus on my health, and don't let the black clothes fool you. Under this, I am not so healthy. And so what do you do when you have these seasons of your life where you say, for sure, for sure, I'm going to maximize my time, and then you end up wasting your time? And so the question that we're going to answer today, the question I know the Scriptures gives us an answer to is simply this, how can we be set free from the sin of wasting time and the guilt for having wasted time? How can we be set free And you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, sin? Come on, come on, come on. We just laughed about how we're procrastinators. That's not sin. Well, let me bring you to the words of the half-brother of Jesus, James. He says it this way. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is, let's all say it together, sin. It is sin to procrastinate, friends. It is sin to know that I'm supposed to apologize and put it off for another time. It is sin to know that I'm supposed to uh, forgive, but to put it off because, you know what, I'd rather not. It is sin to know that now is the season to invest in your marriage, but to put it off. It is a sin to know, okay, i got to get my act together, going into college, I'm in college, I'm in this season of work, and I've got to really focus. It's a sin to procrastinate and waste time. And some of you would say, oh, that's not me, I make the most of it, that's not me yet. Okay, easy, easy, easy. I want to talk about a few other ways we waste time. 
let's go back to the some one we were just talking about, avoiding the right things. Okay, so that's, that's some of us here today. Some of you there in Hayward online. There's some things that you know God's been leading you to do. You've been avoiding it. I just want to let you know that's sin. That's wasting time. And then there's the obvious ones, the wrong things. Come on. Excessive video games. Come on, somebody. Three, four, five, six, seven hours. That's wasting time. Netflix, come on, come on, come on. Hulu, Disney Plus, I don't care which one you choose. Binge watching show after show after show. I'm on this alone tick right now, this trip with alone, alone. It's so compelling. And it's like, why am I watching this? I'm never going to be alone like that. I'm not going to need to save myself out in the woods. After you watch seven episodes of anything, come on, don't you just feel like, okay, that was a waste of time. Is it just me? It's like that couldn't have been good for my health, my soul. But I think the more nuanced one I want to talk about for just a minute is doing the right things at the wrong time. That could be wasting time too. Like you're at work and that's the right thing, but it's time to go home, but you stay at work. That's wasting time. You're with your family because, come on, family over everything, right? No, no, no. Not over God. Not over when it's time to go to work. I think we have a problem in our culture today. It's like I once heard someone say, where you are, be there. (laughs) Where you are, be there. And I think wherever we typically are, we're there and then we're also somewhere else. You're at dinner with your family, but your mind's also at work. You're with your, uh, at work, but your mind's on your family. You're in your God time, spending time with the Lord, but then you're thinking about something else. Doing the right things at the wrong time, that's also wasting time. How many of us would all say just in humility, come on, raise your hands, I'm a time waster, I'm a time waster. Okay, no one wants to be honest. Hayward, you're more honest than Hayward, I can tell, I can tell, all the hands up. In case you're not on board with this just yet, let me just say one more thing. The sin of wasting time, or why I hope this matters, why I hope you lean in is because the sin of wasting time is costly, and the guilt for having wasted time is heavy. Especially to those of you who are under 35 in the room today, you just got to know you're surrounded by some folks who've lived a little bit longer who would tell you, you don't get those years back. You don't get that season back living with your parents like that. You don't get that season back when your kids are that age. You don't get that season back in college. You don't get that season back of enjoying a beautiful grace family like Resonate Church. So not only is it costly, but the guilt for having wasted those years is heavy. And so now that we're all like super depressed, I am so thankful that God has something to say about this. Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, modern day Turkey, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. And so you can turn there in your Bibles, find it on your phones. We'll have the scriptures on the screen, but... Paul is writing to this church and giving them instruction for Christian living. And in this instruction, we also get some words 
about wasting time. And before we have you stand for the reading of God's word, I was so grateful to hear Pastor Ryan speak recently on why we stand for the reading of God's word. And I just want to remind us that if God speaks through me in any way, shape, or form this morning, it is because he's decided in his grace, his sovereignty, to take my flawed words and use them for your benefit. But we stand for the reading of God's words because those words have no flaw in them at all. How many of you are excited to read the unflawed word of God this morning? Say amen. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning in the presence of God. Now, I like to use uh, an outline to help with my preaching, and because uh, I like to alliterate like many corny pastors do, come on somebody, I've got a bunch of C's for you, I've got a caution from the text, a contrast, a command, some consequences, and oh, am I looking forward to the comfort that the gospel of Jesus is going to provide as we leave this place this morning, and so if you're ready for the caution In Hayward, if you're ready for the caution online, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Ready. Oh, come on. It's the 11 o'clock service. Come on. You can do better than that. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Ready. Thank you so much. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. Commentators talk about this phrase, look carefully Uh, meaning like as if you had to walk from one side of the room to the other, and if there was glass all over the floor and you had no shoes on, how would you walk then? Everyone say, carefully. You'd watch every single step you were taking. I'm also reminded of like mines in a minefield. In a minefield, if there's a bunch of mines and you have to get your way across, and if you step on a mine, you're going to blow up and die. How are you going to walk? Carefully, watching every step. And I think if we're being honest, when we wake up on most days, as we navigate most days, we're not looking carefully at the time wasters that we're surrounded by. What are the time wasters that you need to be aware of that you need to avoid? He goes on to say, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. Redeeming the time. 
Making the most of every opportunity is what some translations say. And what this is, is a merchant term in the original language. It's a merchant term of buying up all the goods, redeeming it, buying it all up. I'm a big fan of Gatorade, has always loved Gatorade, and love when those little 16-ounce ones go on sale for a dollar each. Come on, somebody. But sometimes they put a limit on you. How many you could buy? Limit, 10. How many think your boys buy? Come on. All 10. I am buying it all up. I'm making the most of the sale. And that's what Paul is saying here. Don't just make the most of whatever sale is out there. Make the most of every season that you find yourself in. Buy it all up. Hey, that time where your children are little right now, buy it all up. That time where you're empty nesters right now, the kids are out of the house, buy it all up. That time where you're a teenager right now in your home, like, buy it all up, enjoying the fact that your parents still pay for stuff. Come on, somebody, buy it all up. (laughs) Buy it all up. Make the most of this season in your marriage, in this season of your singleness, in this season in your elderly years, in your younger years. Make the most. He says, why? Because the days are evil. You see, in that day, Followers of Jesus were being killed for their faith. There was a reason to have some urgency. We don't know how much longer we're going to live. See, today, especially here in the United States, we don't face that pressure. But the days are still evil. Someone say amen. Every time we wake up, every time we open up our phones, every time we turn on the TV, there is something that is tempting us to distract us and to waste our time. The days are evil. Watch out. Jonathan Edwards, he writes some resolutions for his life, and he resolves this way in relation to wasting time, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. What a commitment that Jonathan Edwards would make. I sum up this caution from Paul this way. Mind the minefield, seize the season, days are evil. Mind the minefield of time wasters. Your phone in particular, come on somebody. We have a minefield of time wasters in our phones. Mind that minefield. Seize the season. Buy up whatever season you're in. The days are evil. Now, how do we go about doing this? Real inspirational, but how do we go about actually making the most of every season that we're in? Well, next, Paul draws a contrast. Right out of the text, he contrasts Two things to help us understand how not to waste time. Let's go back in the text, see what that contrast is. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, if you're falling asleep, I need you right here. Understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the most important part of understanding this text. Paul makes it clear. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And what is the will of the Lord? It's not to get drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. 
And so I just want to say this clearly. If you fall asleep, you got to leave early. Here's the big idea. The will of God is not to live a life filled by wasting time. Instead, it's to live a spirit-filled life. That's the will of the Lord for our lives. So how do we live a life not dominated by wasting time? Live a spirit-filled life. And he contrasts this with getting drunk. And so to understand this contrast, R. Kent Hughes has these words to say. It is true that when someone is drunk, he is under the influence. And when one is filled with the Spirit, he is under the Spirit's influence. But the comparison ends here, and the rest is contrast. Being filled with the Spirit is not a kind of spiritual intoxication in which we lose self-control, for self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. In some Christian circles, they'll talk about being drunk with the Spirit. Nah, turn to your neighbor and say, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. Here's the contrast. I summarize it saying this way. To be drunk is to be intoxicated and influenced by alcohol. To live Spirit-filled is to be inhabited and instructed by the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a difference. Not that I have much experience with drinking alcohol, but from what I hear, when people are intoxicated, it's a temporary situation. But when Jesus is the Lord of your life and you make him the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit makes his permanent residence inside of you. Intoxicated versus inhabited. From what I know, when people drink, they get influenced to do all these crazy things. It's pretty random. Well, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not random. It's specific instruction in how to live. You see the contrast there? If you do, say amen. Amen. All right, now let's move to this command. Let's keep it pushing. There's the contrast. Don't be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's take a closer look at what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Because that's the command. Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. So the balance of this message really is a message about how to live the Spirit-filled life. But first we've got to ask the question, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean first. For believers, being filled with the Spirit is not filling yourself up with something you don't already obtain. You just read that. That's why I put them up on the screen. There's a lot of triple, double negatives going on there. But when you give your life to Jesus, Christian, you are filled 100% with the third person of the Trinity. Oh, come on, you missed it. That was supposed to be an exciting praise the Lord moment. When we give our lives to Jesus, the whole third member of the Trinity inhabits our lives. How many of you are thankful that you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Praise God. You have everything you need right now with the Holy Spirit to live a life not dominated by wasting time. So then why does Paul write, be filled with the Spirit if we're already filled to capacity with the Holy Spirit? Well, this word filled, let me give you some pictures to help describe what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Let's talk about a sailboat first. A sailboat, sails are filled with wind. But they are filled with wind for the purpose of moving in a direction. They're not filled with wind just to sit in the harbor. 
They're filled with wind to be pushed along in a specific direction. Just like we're filled with the spirit, not to just say, oh, I'm spirit filled. But so that we can be pushed along in the direction of holiness and righteousness. Does that make sense? Uh, let me give you another picture here. Alka-Seltzer. Come on, somebody. All the indigestion folks say amen. Chili cheese dogs. You're going to need a couple of these. What is Alka-Seltzer? It's this little tablet. You put it in the water, and when you do, it dissolves, and every part of that Alka-Seltzer tablet permeates through the water. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. It's just not being filled, and it's just one part of us that's filled with the Holy Spirit, but as Spirit-filled believers, the Spirit of God should be permeating every aspect of our lives. It's not just, oh, the Holy Spirit, and then when I'm at church, I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, and then when I go home, there's no Holy Spirit. Or when I'm at work, it's not a compartmentalized life. The Holy Spirit permeates every aspect of our being. One more way we can understand this is by looking where the word be filled or filled is used in other parts of the New Testament. Let me show you three other places just to help us really understand what be filled with the Spirit means. The disciples, when Jesus healed the paralytic man, they were filled with awe. They were filled with fear. They couldn't believe it. And then the Pharisees, when Jesus healed uh, the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, they were so upset. I can't believe you're healing someone on the Sabbath. And they were filled with rage. And then when Jesus would tell his disciples, hey, guys, there's going to be a time where I'm going to go, going to send to my father's side he described them having sorrow a sorrow that had filled their hearts and so what does this word filled mean it means dominated with fear dominated with rage dominated with sorrow because Jesus was going to go away so what does it mean to be filled with the spirit let me sum it up for you this way it's to be pushed along permeated and dominated by the Holy Spirit Now, let me just stop here for just a second. Especially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I've just got to ask you. Are you being pushed along, permeated, and dominated by the influence of the Holy Spirit? When the Spirit speaks, do you listen? Maybe another way I could ask it is, In what area of your life are you currently ignoring the Holy Spirit of God? Because it would very likely be that area of your life where you're also wasting time. So maybe you're like me. Come on, husbands. You know, lead your wife, lead in prayer, lead spiritually, open the word. And you just shush that voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want to. I mean, come on, being a pastor is my job. Now I'm going to do it at home. Come on. Where is it for you where it's like, oh, spend time in the Word? And you're like, mm, no thanks. Oh, live more generously. Come on, some of you have been resonate, Hayward, come on. And you know community's important, missional communities. And you're like, no, not for me, no thanks. 
You aren't filled with the Holy Spirit just to say, yeah, I got the Spirit living in me. You're filled with the Holy Spirit so you can be pushed along, permeated, dominated by His ruling in your life for your good and God's glory. So how does Paul conclude? He concludes with some consequences. Here are the results of living a Spirit-filled life. And maybe you can even do a Spirit-filled life check Right now, just to see, am I living a spirit-filled life? Well, what does Paul say that would include? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. If you are filled with the Spirit, you're going to have a song in your heart for the Lord. Resonate, one of the things I love most about this church family in my early days here is how we worship the Lord in our Sunday and Thursday gatherings. I love it. Because not only are we singing to God, but like this text says, we're addressing one another. Can I just tell you, I need your voice in worship in our public gatherings. I need to hear you sing. You know the people who I love to hear sing the most? The ones who can't sing. <laughs> You know why? Because I'm like, man, that guy's got faith. Wow, she's got faith. I need to be edified by your worship unto God. And that's the sign of a spirit-filled life. It's our unhindered worship to God because he is worthy of all of our praise. Oh, I can't wait to sing our closing song today. Come on, we're going to let it rip later. Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. What else is a sign of a spirit-filled life? Uh, Paul goes on to say, giving thanks always and for everything to the God, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. That's another clue if you're living a spirit-filled life. How you doing, church family, with gratitude? We just sang it earlier. How you doing with your gratitude? Finally, your favorite, come on, you couldn't wait. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's another sign of a believer who's living a spirit-filled life. Submission. And I want to lovingly talk to our brothers for just a moment. Bros, where are you at? Where are you at? Can I hear you, brothers? Where are you at? Hayward, okay, I hear you. Brothers, brothers, I've had to learn this lesson the hard way. It is not cool to be unsubmitted. It's not cool to be unsubmitted. It's not cool to be that guy. No one can tell me anything. I've got this. I'm good. I don't need... Man, I have faced so much trouble because I was unsubmitted. And I just want to let you know, some of you, you weren't planning to go this afternoon to this men's gathering. You need to be there as a sign of I want to, I want to help serve other brothers in Christ and I want to submit to myself uh, to other brothers in Christ. And so uh, that's just a little aside, but another clue of a spirit-filled life is joyful submission to one another as unto the Lord. And so let me sum up these consequences. Just let's check. How are we doing with our spirit-filled living? Are we melodically worshipful? Even if it's not an in-tune melody, that don't matter. 
It's just, are you worshipful because God is worthy? Are you grateful because God is worthy? Are you submitted? Because when we submit to one another, we are submitting unto God. These are the consequences of a spirit-filled life. Now, I know, I've been talking kind of fast. I've said a lot, but I want to get to this comfort part. But in case you've missed everything I've said, let me just put it up all on the screen. One screen. Message summary. Paul gives us a caution. Mind the minefield. Seize the season. Days are evil. Buy up all that time in the season that you're in, friend. He makes the contrast. It's not like getting drunk, losing self-control, but it's being inhabited, instructed, pushed, permeated, dominated by the Holy Spirit. That's how we live a life. Doing a better job of stewarding our time. And if that's the case, we'll be worshipful, grateful, and submitted. Now, if I'm you, uh, hopefully I'm feeling like, cool, I am feel equipped. I, I know what the scripture says about living a spirit-filled life. How many of you feel a little equipped after this teaching? Anybody? Okay, three, that's fine. I'll take three. No, don't clap. It's okay. Don't pretend. It's, it's either true or it's not. Let's move along. Some of you, you feel convicted. Oh my gosh, oh, I could see how I've wasted some time. I could see how I haven't been the best steward this summer. I could see, oh, there's conviction. Maybe you feel overwhelmed, like, how am I going to do this? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I've been shushing the Holy Spirit. That's so hard not to do. Maybe finally some of you are like, fine, Ed, like I'll live the rest of my life spirit-filled, but I've lost some years that I can't get back. What do you say to me? Those years in my marriage, those years with my children, those years in my singleness, those years where I wasn't following Jesus, what do I do with those lost, stolen years? And I just... I'm so thankful that the comfort that the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring to our lives in moments like this. God forbid, Resonate Church family, that as you leave here today, the dominant thing on your mind is, I've got to stop wasting time. I've got to put this plan into place so that every minute is accounted for. I mean, God bless you if that's what the Spirit leads you to do. But I'm thankful that as we leave here today, it's not going to be about what we have to do to not waste time, but what Jesus already did to live the perfect life in which he wasted not a moment. See, he lived out being filled with the Spirit in a perfect way. And I want to take you to just three prayers that he prayed towards the end of his life, right before he went to the cross, to show you that he's our perfect substitute. Just as he was going to serve his disciples' communion for the very first time, look what he says. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said... Take this and divide it among yourselves. He would also take the bread and break it and give thanks. See, Jesus was perfectly thankful in the way that we should be thankful if we're living spirit-filled lives. 
He was perfectly worshipful. And in this next prayer, we're going to see he was perfectly submitted. Come on, you guys know this. The Garden of Gethsemane, just moments before he was to be hauled off to be crucified. Look what he prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this responsibility from me of dying for the sins of the world. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How many of you are thankful for a Jesus who was perfectly submitted to our Heavenly Father? Perfect submission. And so, men, when I call us to living submitted lives, I'm just calling us to a life that follows in Jesus' footsteps. And then, he would also pray this. Thank you, Father. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus fulfilled every iota of what he had been sent to uh, to earth to do, all the way up into going on the cross. And so what does this mean for us? Let me say it clearly here. Christ never wasted a moment of his life so we can be forgiven for every moment of our life we've wasted. How many of you are thankful that forgiveness is available to us in this place for the moments and seasons where we've wasted our lives? I'm so thankful. Husband, for that season where you weren't the best husband, the best dad, you are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Wife. For that time where you weren't the best wife, the best mom, you can be forgiven. Worker, for that season of your life where you weren't responsible with the task that it put before you. Student, for the summer, for the summers that we just didn't do all the things that God was calling us to do. You can be forgiven. For the ways in which you've disrespected your parents, you could be forgiven. For the ways in which you've ignored your health and making it a priority, how many of you are thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ, through it, we can be forgiven for real, for real. I could be forgiven for those seasons of my life where I wasted my time. But can I just tell you, it's, The gospel is so much more than forgiveness. I'm reminded of the season that the nation of Israel found themselves in, in the book of Joel. It was a season of time, four years, where everything they had sown and toiled for, the locusts had eaten it all up. All of their harvest was gone for four years. And they prayed unto God and prayed unto God. And look at how God responds. I will, let's say it all together in Hayward, restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Friends, I know in this room tonight, there are today, there are some people in Hayward online. There are some people who you regret the years that have been eaten. And I just want to tell you, God has a restoration plan in store for you. He's working on it right now. 
as we speak. He is conjuring up a restoration plan for you that's for your good and his glory. See, I, I thought I lost those two years in Vegas. I thought... What a waste of my time. I I left the church that I planted only to go to a place I wasn't even going to stay. I'm just so thankful I've only been here six weeks. But I see God restoring already. Getting to be with you guys. Back in this beautiful Bay Area. God is faithful to restore. And he's no respecter of persons. There's nothing special about me. He has a desire to restore years that you've wasted away. And he's working on it right now. He's working on it right now. But it actually gets better. (laughs) There's more. If you sign up today, there's more. One day, Jesus is going to return. And he's going to call back his bride, the church. And we are going to spend eternity expressing our gratitude. Having a melodic worship. Submitting under the mighty hand of almighty God. And we will never have to repent for wasting time again. How many of you are looking forward to that glorious day? That's going to be a glorious day. Glorious day. Oh, the gospel's good. The gospel's good. As I close, as I was preparing this message this week, the Lord had put two types of people on my heart. Talking to you as well. Hey, we're talking to you online campus. But first, he put on my heart parents. Parents who had guilt and shame for what they see as wasted years of parenting. Oh, I just wasn't on my game. Ugh, I just wasn't following Jesus. I was just pushing my agenda on their lives and not God's. And I just know some of you have guilt and shame around that. And the Lord, he really impressed it upon my heart to pray for those who would say, I want to be set free from that guilt. I want to be set free from that shame. I desire that God would restore those years. The second type of person he put on my mind was children. Children who wasted seasons under your parents' leadership, under your guardian's leadership. And you weren't grateful. You were arrogant. You were mean. You were unkind. You took them for granted. And for some of you, maybe your mom and dad, they're not even around anymore. And you've lived with guilt and shame and condemnation. And I just want to tell you, the Lord wants to set you free. And so if you're here in this place, there in Hayward, there online, if you're either a parent living under the guilt or condemnation of a wasted season, a child living under the guilt or condemnation of a wasted season, I want to pray for you. And as a step of humility, would you just stand and say, it's me. I need to be prayed for today. I need to be set free from that guilt. I need to be set free from that shame. Anyone else? This is not about, uh, don't worry about everyone else. This is just about you and God and your desire once and for all to get up out under that guilt for wasted seasons of your life. Anyone else in Hayward? 
anyone else, anyone online, just put it in the comments. Just let us know. Praise you, Lord, for the humility in this room. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the humility of your people at Resonate Church. Lord, I pray right now by the power of your spirit that supernatural forgiveness would rain down in the hearts of every person standing. That, Lord, you would wrap your loving arms around them and say, I am so excited to forgive you for the years that you have wasted. You're forgiven in Jesus' name. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And, God, I pray in only the way that you can Would you, as you have already been doing, put that restoration plan in motion? Lord, I pray this week that people will experience a palpable sense of your restoring power in their lives to these relationships. Lord, give us a glimpse of the one day we're all going to be fully restored, fully in your presence fully worshiping you because you are worthy. I thank you for healing. I thank you for chains being broken. Do this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen.